0: today on Agnews Daily.
1: In 2022, we've we've paid about $5 million to uh, 273 farmers, averaging about $18,000 per farmer, the equivalent of roughly a million and a half cars being taken off the road for the year.
0: Welcome back, May 23rd, 2023, Tuesday. Agnews Daily Podcast, Tanner Delaney here, ready to bring you some of the very little news that we've got this morning right
2: <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it tanner
0: <laughs> sometimes no news is good news for the that's most part
2: true. that's true good point there but i'll kick things off here this morning with usda crop progress report headlines that came out late yesterday afternoon and as expected we continue to push forward with Huge growth in our corn and soybean plantings. Corn planting moved ahead 16 percentage points for last week to reach 81% complete as of Sunday, May 21st. Still 12 percentage points ahead of last year's 69%. And as far as crop emergence goes, 52% of the corn crop had emerged as of Sunday, up 22 percentage points from the previous week. Soybean plantings sped up just slightly last week as well, moving ahead 17 percentage points. And as of Sunday, reached 66% completed. As we look at crop progress there, 36% of soybeans were emerged as of Sunday, and that's uh, significantly ahead of last year when we were just at 19%. Uh, emerged for this time of year. As far as winter wheat goes, 61% of winter wheat has headed nationwide as of Sunday and conditions nationwide. Winter wheat was rated 31% good to excellent. So up just two percentage points from the previous week, while spring wheat planting progress is now 64% complete and 32% of spring wheat was emerged as of Sunday That is up 19 percentage points from the previous week. So more rains are in store for the plains this week, Tanner, which hopefully will help with at least spring wheat, probably not winter wheat at this point, but spring wheat might get some reprieve from the rainfall.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true. The National Weather Service is saying the further west you go, showers are expected almost every day over the next couple of days. Looking at the western parts of Nebraska, eastern Wyoming, some of these storms will be severe producing maybe some heavy rainfall. The threat is low, though, that that severity will cause any damages. We're looking Wednesday into Thursday. But otherwise, uh, our friends in Minnesota are still dealing with some air quality issues. The southern Minnesota area now, due to the wildfires in Canada, have received a report that they may have some expected air quality warnings. Some of the people may be affected by this poor air quality, so make sure you take care of yourself. Southerly winds are transporting the pollutants further south into the state itself. I had a lot of listeners send me messages about the unfortunate passing of Dave Brandt. Dave Brandt passed away following an auto accident at the age of 76 in Illinois. As described, his standing there with his overalls, six-foot-long radishes, hairy Attack and sunflowers. Brandt spent his career farming with the strategy of building organic matter in his soil and paying as little for chemical inputs and tillage equipment as possible. Brandt even became a meme that said it ain't much, but it's an honest work. He was one of the godfathers of no-till. He is remembered by a lot of farmers as his conservation efforts have led to a lot of the generalized practices in farms today states here that Brant would have joked in his earlier days with equipment dealers long before there were 90 million acres of soybeans. He recalled having John Deere engineers out to his farm to test the first planter that could singulate and plant soybeans rather than have them drilled. So a industry leader unfortunately passed away at 76. Delaney?
2: I didn't realize that he was the Person responsible for that quote, Tanner, that's a classic.
0: It is, certainly is.
2: Well, as we look at the bipartisan debt ceiling, President Biden and McCarthy are looking to try and make amends here to get things rolling. White House and congressional Republican negotiators will meet again today on Tuesday to resolve a months-long impasse over raising the government's 31.4 trillion dollar debt ceiling with the nation risking default as soon as nine days away, Tanner. Uh, President Joe Biden and the Republicans who control the House of Representatives, led by Speaker McCarthy, remain deeply divided about how to rein in the federal deficit while Democrats continue to argue that wealthy Americans and businesses should pay more taxes Republicans want spending cuts, and those two things, of course, are very different opinions. But Biden and McCarthy emerged on Monday evening from their third meeting this year on the debt ceiling, talking about the need to find a bipartisan compromise. So that certainly sounds like a move in the right direction.
0: Yeah, certainly does. Of course, a lot of concerns around what this will eventually look like. However, we've got... Multiple states working together, the United States has reached a deal with the Colorado River Water Conservation Program. Seven of the United States along the drought-starved Colorado River have reached a deal with the Biden administration to prevent supply problems for cities like Los Angeles, Phoenix, but most importantly, farmers. In the agreement Arizona, California and Nevada will take 3 million acre-feet less of water from the river through the end of 2026. The US Department of Interior said Monday that it is in return for using less than 16 or less than 13% of the water over the next 3 years, those 3 states will get 1.2 billion dollars in federal compensation. After nearly a year of negotiations, this deal is focused on preventing water levels from dropping below critical levels in Lake Powell and Lake Mead, the United States' two largest reservoirs. Some nearly 40 million people and 30 tribal nations depend upon the Colorado River for drinking water and electricity, not including Mexico. The new operation guidelines are set to be advanced within the next month by the Department of Interior to replace the original agreement that was structured in 2007. Other states that are included in this is Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, and New Mexico. And we will continue to watch there as federal officials are continuing to push for advanced reduced usage of 2 million to 4 million acre feet of water in an unprecedented reduction. So we'll continue to watch that. But it looks like right now a temporary deal has already been met.
2: Well, Tanner, we saw a temporary deal reached last week once again between Ukraine and Russia, extending the grain corridor initiative by another 60 days. However, the United Nations said that they are still concerned on Monday at the pace at which ships are coming into the Ukrainian port. They said that Ukraine's Black Sea port of Pivdenyi, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, has not received any ships since May 2nd, under a deal allowing the safe wartime export of grain and fertilizer. A UN spokesman did not say who was to blame for the lack of ships traveling to that port near Odessa, which is also where we've seen Russia pump up To two and a half million tons of ammonia annually for export via a pipeline there. But that pipeline has been shut down since February of 2022. So, still a lot of question marks why that port is not getting used, Tanner. Um, But so far, we're still seeing ports or we're still seeing ships come out of other ports. In the Ukraine Black Sea region, the other two major ports there are still getting ships out, but this one, for whatever reason, is taking a standstill. And so they're still trying to dig into this and figure out what's going on there.
0: Well, we're trying to figure out what's actually going on on the ground between Russia and Ukraine, because both parties are stating victories overnight, as well as advancement claims. It looks like the area of that we talked about yesterday that was potentially uh, attacked with a counter-terrorist operation is now being pushed back, stating here that the anti-Putin Russians that aligned with Ukraine have claimed responsibility for that incursion, but the Russian military is stating that they've already eliminated that factor. Plus, Ukraine is still saying that they're holding on to part of the Bakhmut city, while Russian private military group is saying that they have claimed and seized the entire eastern city but uh, quite interesting there there's kind of neat Articles out around British explosives and counterinsurgent specialists that have trained Ukrainian frontline troops to utilize subversive skills and techniques in building on-site bombs, which are working to advance Ukrainian forces. And the Uta- The U.S. Air Force Secretary is also stating that there are intentions to provide Ukraine with F-16 fighters, but this will take several months at best just to get them to the region let alone providing trained fighter pilots as well states. That this is not a quick cure-all for the battle. However, it, like I said, it seems like a lot of these headlines are very counteractive as each side's claiming victories. And it seems like the same territory.
2: Well, then I've got kind of a fun tech Tuesday piece of news for our listeners today. The, former impossible foods cfo david lee has launched a new startup called inevitable tech to be he's saying the ai for ag tech the new software company has developed a proprietary hardware software grow system for use in both controlled environment agriculture settings and open field settings Inevitable says that it uses a combination of AI, automation, and plant science to help growers manage plant health and overall operations. The company's first product will be a clean propagation system to ensure healthier, higher quality plants. But this is certainly an interesting move here, Tanner, as he switched from a very different industry into AI, but really he has a background in this and we'll see how this thing goes. Inevitable Tech is the name of the company.
0: Uh, We might have to see if we get them on just to pick his brain In an interview, last piece I've got, Washington is still continuing their project for annual search for northern giant hornets and other pests that threaten the agriculture community and environment within the U.S. coming from their borders. The State Department of Ag has announced recently that it will fund for thousands of traps statewide to monitor the introduction and spread of more than 130 invasive pests and diseases. The key focuses for this year is the spongy moth, the Japanese beetle, the apple maggot, and the infamous giant hornet. While eradication of these pests is difficult, the monitoring of these pests is definitely needed. Last year, they caught more than 23,000 beetles. Trappers also caught over 20,000 spongy moths. They had 5,000 plus apple maggot traps out and they're looking to continue to monitor this because of the trapping season and permit for the state of Washington. The USDA will continue to monitor the invasive levels to deal whether or not this is a nationwide call for emergency assistance. But we will see if those results come about. The state of Washington says that they suspect the Hornet sightings can be Uh, are minimal this year compared to last year but it's never too early and we don't want to let our guard down so they're calling to make sure that they have the right measures in place to monitor the advancements of the pests and hopefully we have positive results out of this year's trapping
2: I just couldn't get over the apple maggot terminology
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah gross right
2: yeah a little bit Uh, I, Taylor, I don't think I have any other headlines for our listeners today. What do you say we take a look at the markets?
0: Well, hopefully they're not as gross as apple maggots.
2: <laughs> no, I think they're getting a little bit better here today. Uh, we certainly saw, of course, yesterday some pop and old crop contracts, and we're seeing Mm, That's somewhat follow through here in the overnights. July corn added six pennies in the overnight. will open here this morning at 577 new crop corn four and a half cents higher in the overnight to open at 513 and a quarter soybeans this morning showing a little bit of weakness in the old crop contracts down three and a quarter cent in the July at 1338 November unchanged here as we head into opening session clocking in at 1197. Hard red July winter wheat added nine and three quarters cents in the overnight at 835 and a half. Taking a look at the livestock markets and a quick reminder where they left us yesterday in the red. August live cattle down 70 cents yesterday to open this morning at $1.63.60. August feeder cattle shed 20 cents yesterday to open at $2.34.90. And June lean hogs down $1.20 yesterday to open this morning at $81.82 and a half. Tanner, we are chatting carbon today for our Tech Tuesday interview with Tom Ryan from Terra. So let's turn it over to that conversation.
0: And listeners, this is exciting. It's always fun to celebrate milestones, but also one when it's on the leading edge of maybe the future of agriculture. So uh, pleasure to have Tom Ryan here, the president of Truterra. Welcome to the podcast, Tom yeah good morning thanks for having me so why don't we start off first give our listeners a little bit of background about who you are and then after that we'll jump into more about what and who truterra is yeah so uh, uh again tom ryan president of Um uh, 25
1: years in the ag industry uh, really stretching uh, through anything from ag uh, retail to uh, 18 years in the land of lake system uh, with our Winfield United business, um, spanning across marketing, sales, product development, uh, technology, and then our uh, strategic alliances. Uh, so I'm happy to be leading the Trutera business. And a little bit about Trutera. Trutera is a leading agricultural sustainability business, uh, and we really offer a consultation, tools, and a suite of solutions for the ag, food, and CPG industries.
2: Yeah, Tom, and I think Trutera obviously has been one of the leaders as well in the sustainability space, like you mentioned, uh, specifically the carbon space, which is really the meat and potatoes of what we want to dig into with you today because you guys just wrapped up your 2022 carbon program. Talk to us a little bit about how that program was put together and what the goals were for 2022.
1: Yeah, so, you know, we're happy to announce that uh, in 2022, we've We've paid about five million dollars to uh, 273 farmers, averaging about eighteen thousand dollars per farmer. Uh, we sequestered right around 260,000 tons, um, and that makes our two-year total um, over nine million dollars paid to farmers, um, approaching you know close to 500,000 total uh, tons of carbon sequestered. That's the you know the equivalent of of roughly a million and a half cars being taken off the road for the year. So. We're really excited about those results. And, you know, the way that we do that is we work with farmers and ag retailers uh, to help them adopt agronomic, economic, and environmentally sound practices on their operation that benefit the soil or the animal, the farm itself, uh, the environment, and the local community they reside in. And, you know, all those different components, I believe is why we're seeing such strong engagement um, because we're we're, you know, by the farmer, for the farmer, we're delivering solutions that meet their needs. You
0: know, you you almost just glazed right over that stat. You said over a million cars off the road is what the equivalent of that carbon sequestration was. Is that correct? Yeah, it's actually closer to a million and a half, but yep wow that is uh, that's fascinating because i know when we talked to some of our listeners that uh, it's hard to feel like you have a large impact as an individual farm operation but when you collectively all work together that seems to be the largest impact when you work with your clients you talked about more having a consultation planning progress what's that work look like from the truterra side of things
1: yeah so you know, I think that's one of the key differentiators with TrueTera is that we we go with and through egg retail. You know, we leverage the relationship of uh, that they have with their growers around being a trusted advisor to build a plan, a plan that focuses on meeting their grower where they're at on their sustainability journey and then building a solution plan together with their egg retailer that gets them to where they want to go. No two farmers are in the same spot, right? Everybody's unique. You know, as as myself uh, as well as the farmer, uh, I'm adopting these same practices, and and it's you need that you need that resource there to help you build that plan. And so we we focus on providing a suite of solutions that can meet that grower where they're at, regardless whether it's just starting out, um, where we you know we leverage our soil health assessment, which is kind of a snapshot in time of hey uh, how am I doing? Give me some benchmarking. Uh, And give me some ideas on how I can start my journey to, you know, the results that we're talking about today, which would be, you know, full blown into participation and adoption of cover crops, no-till, nitrogen management um, that generates that that, uh, sequestered carbon. So, you know, we provide a range of solutions all along that, uh, that allows uh, all kinds of different opportunities for a grower, regardless of where they are in their journey.
2: And I think that's been the biggest question mark is just what are some of the practices that are going to um, help with carbon sequestration, but also how do I actually get paid out through the, through a program? And you guys are a testament to a carbon program that is helping producers find practices, but also uh, find the reward on the other side of that, because so far, a lot of these programs have been voluntary and there's been a lot of, I think, tape maybe around how you actually get paid out. So talk to us about the process of enrolling, going through that process of finding the practices that work for their farm and then ultimately getting paid out. How does all that work and what's the timeline on all that?
1: Yeah, uh, lots to unpack. they're happy to do so. So, you know, it starts with first and foremost, understanding that, and back to my original comment, like we have to address it agronomically. I think there's this misconception that, you know, sustainability means uh, a reduction in profitability, and we need to we need to address that directly, you know, and and have done so with uh, partnership with like our soil health the soil health institute, you know, where we've shown that sustainability can lead to profitability, um, even above and beyond where growers today. So it starts with that enrollment and understanding around an agronomic solution. Um, and that it has to be economically viable too. you know we're asking the farmer to make a fundamental change in the way that they farmed many cases, which has spanned generations, right and so we got to create the maximum amount of value for that grower um, and when we do that by providing those solutions, we you know we start by getting them enrolled in uh, my portal, uh, which is uh, our engagement and enrollment portal that that you can access through. Uh, um, to where they enroll their fields, um, they are then uh, pre-qualified for programs based on answering a few quick questions, and then they can select from the different solutions that are the most attractive to them, uh, to where then we take it through and work with them through a white glove service where they help collect the, the massive amount of data that's required to quantify and validate um, the uh, potential benefits that that are being generated on their farm, and then and then we provide them a uh, an estimate uh, of what their actual program opportunity is, uh, and then we go through the year, right, and then we quantify that again at the end of the year with an actual. So one of the key differentiators, you know, is really how we measure that um, that uh, greenhouse gas benefit. So we do that annually. So, that farmer at the end of every year uh, gets that contract or that offer provided provided to them, and then they can decide. Um, And uh, that's that farmer friendly approach coming to life. Um, And from that, uh, they sign that contract and and we turn the payments around uh, uh, very quickly. So, you know, that's kind of the end to end on how it all comes together. Um, You know, the key practices that drive the, the payment you know, started heavily with cover crops and no-till. As we go into uh, the back half of 2023 and 2024 crop season, uh, we'll be adding nitrogen management into that. And then we continue to look for new innovation in the industry that has benefits that we can quantify and take through a third party certification process to where as farmers adopt those new innovations uh, that we can not only, help them realize the benefit from a yield and ROI perspective, but also to quantify any sustainability benefits that can then um, uh, be added to uh, the cover crops, no-till and nitrogen management uh, solutions that they're implementing today.
0: So if we've got listeners that have maybe signed up for somebody else's program or haven't signed up yet, can they go? Back and get credit for things in the past, or how does that work if they wanted to switch or now sign up?
1: yeah, so we're we're looking for farmers who have made uh, changes in in the recent uh, past. So many of our programs uh, look back a year or two um, to where we can we can begin to quantify those uh, benefits that they've been creating, and then we take that from there and work with them moving forward. Um, so maybe you uh, went to reduce tillage a year ago. Uh, that's a great starting point. We can begin to assess and, and uh, validate the impact that that has made, but then we can work with you to take you forward into adopting additional practices that fit your farm, fit agronomically and economically uh, into your operation to quantify the environmental benefits and get you paid for those as well.
2: Tom, um, before we let you go, if any of our listeners are interested in digging into True carbon program or signing up for themselves, what's the best website for them to head to?
1: Yeah, you can you can uh, find us at truteraag.com um, and uh, feel free to uh, search there. Or, you know, uh, you're also uh, welcome to uh, have a conversation with your local egg retailer. And uh, we've got over um, 55 Uh, egg retailers in our network with about a thousand locations across the US. So there's a pretty good chance that one of your local retailers is is also uh, one of our uh, trusted partners.
2: Great. Tom, well, thank you so much again for joining us today. Certainly appreciate your time.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, Delaney, it's always exciting to get industry leaders on the podcast. Uh, I know that the Farm for Profit podcast has recently put out a survey that states that nearly 90% of our listeners aren't enrolled in our carbon program. So, I'd be curious how many of the Agnews daily listeners are not signed up yet to see if they qualify for carbon credits.
2: That is an interesting statistic, Tanner. And I'm not really surprised by it, I've got to admit. I think there's still a lot of uh, curtains around or red tape around the oh,
0: tape yes
2: <laughs> i couldn't quite get that uh saying correct during the interview but i i well you talked about it afterwards but i i think there's just a lot of question marks still around it or, or black curtains around it that uh a lot of producers still have a lot of questions so hopefully those questions were answered today
0: that's correct and that rule of additionality is always difficult because if you switched a long time ago You don't qualify either, but listeners, something else that you may qualify for is an opportunity to win. I can't do that, Delaney, because that would just be teasing them. Listeners, the point is, is stick with us each day. Everything is exciting as far as news and headlines with the Ag News Daily podcast. Follow us on social media. We appreciate you listening along. But for today, what do you say, Delaney? Should we let the listeners go?
2: Let's let them go.